0: This is Squawk Pod, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, finding our way out of coronavirus by what's in our immune systems. Dr. Sam Waxel, founder of ImClone and of Cadmon Pharmaceuticals, joins
1: us. The only way we get people back to work is to know whether or not they're immune or whether or not we can take the risk.
0: And the billionaire CEO of Fanatics, a sports merchandise company, has challenged A-listers everywhere to go all in and support Americans hard hit by the pandemic.
2: It's the responsibility of the leaders in sports, entertainment, business to really step up and figure out how to make a big
3: difference.
0: Those stories and more, the airlines bailout and a wealthy island in Florida testing for COVID antibodies.
3: I don't know if you heard that line, once you've seen one pandemic, you've seen one pandemic.
4: It's Wednesday, April 15th, 2020. Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning, everybody. I'm Becky Quick along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. We've been watching the futures. since First up on today's podcast, the latest coronavirus
0: numbers. The number of confirmed cases in the U.S. is now over 600,000, with confirmed cases in New York State topping 200,000, more than any foreign country. In New York City alone, there was a sharp rise in the death toll this week after health officials started to include people who had never tested positive for the virus, but were presumed to have died from it. Combined with the fatalities who also had positive lab tests, the city's death toll passed 10,000. But is there some Light at the end of this tunnel. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin.
5: Some good news, though, on the testing front, and this, um, this actually is genuinely good news. The FDA has now approved a saliva test for the virus. It was developed by some researchers at Rutgers University, uh, Becky's alma mater. It is being deployed starting today at hospitals and clinics associated with Rutgers. The saliva test reduces the risk for healthcare workers by eliminating the need for them to take a swab in close contact. Now, patients are given a plastic tube they're asked to spit into it several times. In an accuracy test, the saliva method had a 100% match rate with the swab method. And just to be clear, they match in terms of uh, when I say 100%, that doesn't mean they're 100% accurate. It means that the swab test is similar uh, in, terms of, in terms of what those tests can both do. But there's still question marks about how effective the tests are um, with, uh, with, the, with the ranges around 70% accuracy. Becky?
4: Yeah, I was going to say, I was talking to somebody yesterday, Andrew, about um, the number of false positives, the number of false negatives they've gotten with those tests. I think the swab ones are are particularly problematic because there are questions about how accurately it is actually performed—you got to, I guess, really jam the swab up someone's nasal capacity. It's a little right. uncomfortable, and so there have been lots of questions about that too. Speaking of testing, though, Major League Baseball says that 27 teams will participate in an antibody testing study. This is not that same sort of diagnostic test that's used in healthcare settings to identify the presence of the virus and whether somebody's actively contagious. This instead measures whether people have been exposed and then developed antibodies as a result, even if they never suffered any symptoms. One report says that 10,000 baseball employees have volunteered to participate. But guys, this will be pretty interesting just from that same perspective as when Major League Basketball went through, or when uh, the NBA, when basketball went through uh, this same sort of issue and was testing so many of its players. You did find that it was a much higher number than had been anticipated that had already been exposed and potentially had this disease. So maybe this gives us a little bit of a better idea about what might be happening in the general population. To. Um, at, but, at the time the, when the studies this, were done on
3: basketball, yeah, this, this is when the future, those studies though. were done this in is, basketball. This is different than, yeah, yeah. This is the this is what we're going to be doing. This is this is the way we're going to get yeah. back uh, and, and, and reopen things by there's, these. We're going to have Waxel, uh, Dr. Sam Waxel, on later, and the antibody testing is going. If you know people that obviously in Major League Baseball, if you test every single person, you can fe- you can field some of those players with confidence uh, at that point. But it's not going to just be them. It's going to be eventually you'd like to be able to have an antibody test on everyone, essentially, going back to any job. So this is it. just like you point out, it's different than just testing to see if you have it so that you don't go out. This is to see whether you've had it so that you don't even need to worry about it. So it's safe to go back
4: out. Well, but. What right. was so interesting but, at the time when they were when they were testing basketball is that they they said that the basketball players would probably have a, a similar representation to let's say a retail worker or a restaurant worker because or a transportation worker because those types of employees have about as many daily interactions as a basketball player would. So you, you, originally yeah. I was thinking okay basketball might have a much higher contamination rate just because they're traveling around and doing so many things. But there were uh, there was analysis at the time that said it might match up pretty similarly with uh, maybe like. The FedEx delivery guy, or somebody else who was going around and having a lot of daily interactions.
5: Right. The only thing I was um, going to add to this, and I hope we can talk to Sam Waxel about about this, is what it means to have antibodies, because there's so much conflicting research about what having antibodies even means. With some people suggesting, as we all know, that historically, if you had antibodies, the idea is you'd be immune to it. However, there's now reports yeah. that suggest that maybe you're not immune to it, or, or or whatnot. So we have to figure out what that what those what those tests really actually even mean at this point right be good to have the antibodies
3: i think yeah we'll we'll see whether it's (laughs) different that you know sam had some interesting uh some interesting comments i was reading a lot of his notes one one of the sayings is you know if you've seen one pandemic you've seen one pandemic and that's why it's called a novel (laughs) uh, corona right Right. that's why it's called a novel coronavirus because it's never been seen before so so you know we're flying blind Uh, With a lot of this stuff, did you guys see what Rand Paul said? He he said, zero symptoms, zero, no sore throat, no cough, no fever, no chills. No, he he had been in contact with someone that tested positive. That's why he went to make sure, and, and he was totally surprised. I mean, that to me, that just, I mean, that's what we're saying. It's so this this disease is so crazy to to see what can it can put people.
4: Just flat
3: on their the back. Different, the know, different reactions the that people have,
4: right? The different reactions that people mm-hmm. have are
3: so extreme. Young people, what's with the young people? Uh, there are, you know, not saying that it doesn't affect any of them, but they do seem to do much better. Now, is it a, a more robust immune system, or, or does the immune system not overreact like it seems to in, in a lot of the, the really tough cases? Mm-hmm. So we're Wax will be interesting. He's he's pretty outspoken, as you know, in a lot of ways, and uh, but. He's got ideas for therapeutics, vaccines, and and testing. The Treasury Department and major airlines have reached an agreement on aid to that industry for the coronavirus uh, crisis. Phil LeBeau joins us now with the details. Hey, Phil.
6: Hey, Joe, this is for the $25 billion in payroll grants. And remember, 70% of this is money the airlines will not have to repay. The 30% is money that will have to go back to the Treasury in the form of low-interest loans. When you look at the airline stocks this morning, they're all indicating that they're going to be opening uh, substantially higher, in part for a couple of reasons. One, there is certainty over the next several months in terms of being able to meet their payroll obligations. And two, the dilution looks to be a little bit less than what people were expecting as they were negotiating all of this. So we're going to run down some of these. Ten airlines in all will be receiving billions of dollars from the federal government. We're not going to do all ten of them, but let me give you some of them. Delta receiving $5.4 billion in a payroll grant. And then you've got Southwest, $3.2 billion in a payroll grant. And American Airlines will be receiving $5.8 billion. Guys, back to you.
5: Hey, Phil, before you go, two things. I was trying to do some math on these warrants um, that yep. were disclosed last night. And, and it appears to me that it is a bit of a fig leaf uh, to the taxpayer, if you will, in this instance. Meaning right. it is so small that even if it were to double in value, it would have be the equivalent of 5% of, of the grant money. Am I wrong? Right. It,
6: no, you're correct about that. But this is, I think the Treasury Department's view was... The taxpayer should get something. And you really didn't hear too much complaining from the airlines. And when I talked with the executives, they said, that's fine. We understand the warrants. We understand that the government needs to feel that uh, the taxpayer is receiving something. The bigger concern for executives has been, and we reported this starting back Thursday and Friday of last week when the terms first came out, it's the fact that 30% of the money that is being given to each airline will come in the form of a loan. And why is that a big deal? These guys already have taken out, uh, I think, $32, $33 billion just since February in terms of debt instruments. And now you're asking them to take out more. And oh, by the way, some of these airlines have made it pretty clear they're going to have to borrow more, let's say, in a month or two down the road. So it becomes a question of how much debt do you want the airlines to take on. And that's what the airlines were concerned about with the way this was structured.
5: Let me ask you another question, Phil, which is to say that currently they have to keep their employees or at least 90 percent of their employees, I think, on board and keep these planes in the air, many of which are flying around practically empty. Um, What happens come September if there isn't demand? Are they allowed to lay off employees anyway? So right now we're flying around planes that we probably shouldn't be flying around to begin with. And then come September, they can lay off the employees anyway and the taxpayers are going to give the money. Well, the the agreement here, the
6: agreement here on these payroll grants is that there are no mass layoffs before September 30th. But look, if we see levels of passengers on planes where we are right now, and I think that the other day it was ninety five hundred thousand people for the entire country who were being screened by the TSA. If we're still seeing that in September The airlines are going to be facing uh, some tough choices in terms of having to cut their payroll, uh, potentially with some layoffs. But for now, these grants are doing what were intended, which is lock in the payroll. And don't forget, you've got tens of thousands of employees at these airlines who have already agreed to take unpaid leaves of absence. So that helps the airline. It relieves a little bit of pressure. And in terms of the uh, the empty aircraft, Andrew, they've already stripped down to a bare minimum schedule doesn't mean it's good what we're seeing out there, because it's not. You're not seeing many people on these planes. But it's a far lower level of flights than we saw a couple of months ago.
4: Hey, but, hey but Phil, but before I, you go, let me sorry. ask you another. Just a quick question on that. If, if the employees took an unpaid leave of absence, does that mean yep. that they can't file for for job, um, for unemployment benefits? Because part of the whole reason that we want to make sure that we do these bailouts is so that these people don't wind up on the unemployment rolls, and, and that's a, another way of doing it. So the money, the federal money goes there instead right. of to unemployment.
6: Good, good question, Becky. I don't know a definitive answer on that. So uh, we'll, we'll hunt down the answer, and I'll let you know for sure in terms of whether or not they can file for uh, unemployment benefits.
4: Phil, thank you.
5: While lawmakers and medical experts call for coronavirus antibody testing, a small and very exclusive island in Florida has enough for all of its residents. Robert Frank joins us with that story. Good morning to you, Robert.
7: Good morning, Andrew. Well, only 1% of the population of Florida has been tested for coronavirus, but 100% of the residents of Fisher Island off Miami have gotten the antibody test. Now, the residents purchased 1,800 test kits for the island's 800 families, as well as for their housekeepers, landscapers, and all their workers. Now, everyone on the island will get the antibody blood test that's done with a fingerprint that gives them instant results on whether they have been exposed to the virus or have immunity. This is not the nasal swab test, which tells you whether you are infected and of course is in more demand right now. But the testing has sparked a backlash in a state where there is still more demand for testing than supply, a spokeswoman for the island, which is only accessible by boat and has an average income of two and a half million dollars said that since many of the residents there are over 60, they are at high risk and paid for the test themselves at $17 each. She said they're also engaging in social distancing since the marina, the golf club, and the tennis courts are all closed. Now, the University of Miami Health System, they're the ones that provided the test, said in a statement that, quote, it may have created the impression that certain communities would receive preferential treatment and that they are now revising the system for providing the tests. And look, you know, that the residents paid for the tests. They have since spent or given $200,000 to a charity to provide these tests to the hardest hit areas of Miami as well, uh, but not a good look right now when a lot of Florida is trying to get the regular COVID nasal test, as well as moving forward, the antibody tests, and everyone on this island, including their workers, is able to get tested.
5: Hey Robert, do we know how how they got access to the test? I know I I know you said the university that they got the access from, but is there was there a connection, somebody that they could call and get access to in a way that, frankly, other residents in Florida or the rest of the country could not?
7: Well, clearly there was a connection that others could not. Um, You know, there is an antibody test, public antibody test going on in Miami right now. They, They were clear to say that the islands test kits were not part of that study, but. I did discover that the island got their test kits from the same company that provided the test kits to the University of Miami Health System that is giving that broader public test. So the the UH Health System said, look, these test kits did not come from the public test. They were not diverted. But my research shows they did come from the same company, Biomedomics, that made the tests. Um, so it's it's unclear whether they just piggybacked on that and said, "Look, while we're ordering it, can we get an extra 1800?" or whether it was truly part of the test kits that were supposed to be part of this public study. But that's how they got it, from the same company.
5: All right. The controversy continues. There's going to be a lot more of this uh, over yes. the next couple of weeks and months. A lot Robert more. Frank, Absolutely. keeping an eye and following the money. We always appreciate you following the money.
0: Next on Squawk Pod, Dr. Sam Waxel on the science that he thinks can get us through the coronavirus crisis.
1: The percentage of people that have seen the virus is far greater than the number of people who have tested positive. The positive testing has been the tip of the iceberg.
6: Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to janicehenderson.com.
0: This is Squawk Pod. Our next guest today on the pod, Dr. Sam Waxel, an immunologist by training. He's also former CEO and founder in the 1980s of the biopharma company Imclone. Waxel was instrumental in the development of cancer antibody drug Erbitux. That drug was in the review process with the Food and Drug Administration back in 2001 when Waxel received word on Christmas Day that it had been rejected due to data concerns. Over the ensuing days before that news went public, Waxel advised friends and family to unload their Imclone stock. That is insider trading. One of the people he advised was a Wall Street broker who worked with Martha Stewart, who was also a friend of Waxel's. Sam Waxel was convicted of securities fraud and served about five years in prison. Martha Stewart, you may recall, served five months in federal prison and was on supervised release for two years. Herbitux, by the way, was eventually approved by the FDA and generated billions of dollars for Eli Lilly and treated thousands of cancer patients. Waxel founded Cadmon Pharmaceuticals in 2010 and started to try again with potentially groundbreaking drugs in cancer and autoimmune regimens. Here he is on Squawk Box in 2015, reflecting on his experience.
1: That was an event that probably did change me. I think I am a better person. And I think I am a more introspective uh, uh, person. Those sorts of things uh, change one for the better, for the worse. I'm certainly not a, a bitter person.
0: So today, with the world anxiously awaiting a vaccine or an antiviral drug to combat COVID-19, Sam Waxel says our immune systems will help us win the war against the coronavirus. Waxel joined us today on Skype to discuss the need for serological tests to test blood to find out who has COVID antibodies. Here he is with Joe Kernan.
1: I think, you know, we've been talking about developing a vaccine, and that's critical. We've been talking about antivirals, but also what is as critical to something that is a novel virus. We call this a novel coronavirus. It's novel because the human immune system has never seen this before. So one of the things that we have to worry about is what percentage of people are developing immunity. It's my feeling, actually, that before we get a vaccine on the market, and perhaps even before we have an antiviral on the market, the winner of this war against this this novel emerging virus will be the human immune system. The only way we're going to be able to tell whether or not human immunity is winning is if we develop not only the assays that we're using right now, which are the PCR assays looking directly for virus, but also developing a serological test for antibody. We already know in places in the world, like uh, 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 Iceland, uh, in places in Germany, in places, uh, the Faroe Islands, that the percentage of people that have seen the virus and that have been uh, 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 inoculated, so to speak, with what is uh, uh, to them a vaccine, making them survivors, is far greater than the number of people who have tested positive. The positive testing in uh, the world has been the tip of the iceberg. Uh, At Columbia uh, Medical School, in the maternity wards, we see women coming in that are positive for the uh, uh, virus at about 13 to 20 percent of the women coming into the maternity ward, with 86 percent of them having uh, uh, a slight uh, uh, case of disease, 10 percent of them having moderate disease and only a few percent having severe disease. So that means that the majority of people coming in are one. mild uh, disease carriers, but two, their immune systems are seeing this and clearing it. And so instead of saying that we have 600,000 people in the United States that uh, are virus positive, there are probably millions of people. And that means that before there's a vaccine in a year and a half, and, you know, I'm not a big fan of repurposing uh, drugs. I, I actually believe that you create drugs in a very specific fashion, like the antibodies that uh, people are trying to create. But more importantly, I think there will be a new generation of antivirals. I'm actually working on a couple of things that, that I think uh, are interesting. We need to test people for antibody, we need to do proper testing, so that the type of the the tightrope that we're walking right now, and it's a tightrope about getting us back to work, opening us up to normalcy, versus protecting the people from uh, a disease is one that isn't easy. We're affecting people psychologically and emotionally. Right now, people can't take their families. The only way we get people back to work is to know whether or not they're immune or whether or not we can take the risk. And I believe uh, that while we're seeing uh, uh, as a, as a uh, uh, divider of a denominator and a nominator that are virus versus deaths, what we really should be looking at is who has the disease. And if we look at that, if we try to understand who has the who's had the disease, who has had the infection, some people don't even have disease-induced by this virus, those numbers are going to be way down below 1%, the way they are in parts of Germany, Iceland, Faroe Islands, and other places. And if that's true, there is a risk-reward that we can have at a given point in time. Also, this is like a, a domino effect. This is an emerging virus. And a long time ago, a mentor of mine Josh Letterberg, who was uh, a Nobel laureate for 30 years ago, talked about emerging viruses. He said they were going to become the scourge of mankind. They may very well be. This one won't be, but there will be one, maybe one day, that spreads and uh, uh, wipes out humanity. This one isn't going to be that virus.
3: Sam, do you do you feel confident in saying that? that it's similar to other uh, pathogens in that our immune system does develop, we are inoculated because we, we go back and forth about whether there can be a second infection uh, or whether it's uh, maybe akin to HIV where it doesn't really leave you or something. I, I don't see how because it doesn't go into the genome, right, Sam? It's not, a, it's not a, uh, like a reverse transcriptase type where where Uh, it's it's just (laughs) expressing it's a positive strand of messenger RNA right it's a
1: positive strand of messenger RNA and this is a virus that's evolved so viruses emerging viruses especially uh, evolve to converge on a receptor that normal uh, uh, biological processes use and this one uses an angiotensin 2 receptor this one gets into lungs, this one is profibrotic. This is a virus that's new and does new things to us. But I would doubt if I had to make a bet and someone said to me, you're not going to make an immune response to this virus or humans aren't, I would say they're wrong because we've made immune responses to every virus in history. Some have killed us. SARS killed 50 to 70% of people. In the maternity studies that I talked about a moment ago, right now, virtually all the women are fine. With SARS, 50% of them died. Uh, With the Middle Eastern uh, strain of the coronavirus, 50% died. With certain types of influenza, people die. With HIV, they die emerging viruses, infect, and the one that didn't induce a proper immune response was HIV. But that's because it attacked the very cell that was supposed to be immune. And it's not only antibodies that give us immunity, but it's also our T cells that give us immunity to viruses. And this is going to be a viral infection that's going to induce an immune response. If we think about using the proper serological tests to tell us that people have seen the virus, I would make the bet that those people can go back into normalcy. And there may be others that want to take that risk. Uh, There are young people that don't have underlying medical conditions that may want to take the risk. But sooner than later, we're going to have to uh, get off the tightrope that we're walking and figure out how to bring society back into normalcy. That's got to be before we get a vaccine, which is going to be a year to a year and a half. J&J has a great program. Uh, there are great programs out there in vaccines. We'll see. Vaccines are tough. They're not easy to make. Antivirals are tough. There aren't that many great antivirals. The antibodies uh, uh, from patients that have seen the disease and using their plasma may be quite useful, and we're seeing that right now.
3: We'll do the, uh, the test, the antibody testing, not to see whether you you're currently have it, but to see whether you've had it. And that, that is uh, that's, these are a lot of, uh, of things that you've opened up for, for us to think about, Sam. We appreciate it, and, we, and maybe we can get back. That's the question. If we don't have a vaccine, how do we ever get back to normalcy? And that would be one way of doing it. Sam, thanks for, uh, for, for coming on today and sharing all your, uh, your, your thoughts with us.
0: Next on Squawk Pod, what Justin Bieber, Mark Cuban, Peyton Manning, Kevin Hart, and Alex Rodriguez are all doing to address food insecurity during the coronavirus pandemic. Plus, A-Rod on this year's baseball season.
8: The virus will tell us when we play. Baseball cannot tell the virus when we play. I am hopeful we get it going.
9: We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to Squawk Pod with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Here's Joe.
3: Yesterday, sports merchandising giant Fanatics launched the All-In Challenge, encouraging A-listers across all industries uh, to donate uh, to a fundraiser and address food insecurity during this uh, pandemic. So far, Mark Cuban, Justin Bieber, Peyton Manning, uh, Kevin Hart, Alex Rodriguez have already signed on. Fans uh, can bid on or donate to win special experiences and hundred percent of the proceeds go uh, to the organizations providing uh, food for hard-hit americans join us now michael rubin our friend executive chairman of fanatics and the man uh, behind the all-in challenge and th- that's great uh, that you're putting this together michael rubin and our friend uh, a rod alex rodriguez ceo uh, of a rod corp and one of the fundraiser participants and you know, that's fine, Michael. I, I don't expect to be on an A-list that, that ever, and, but I'm just wondering what, how far down would we go before I'd hear from you on something? What do you think, A-Rod? Would it be, uh, I mean, is it, we got to go start the alphabet again before we get there or, or not?
2: We think an incredible experience would be, would be for people to be able to donate for a chance to win the opportunity to be a guest host in the morning. So we were going to hit you up anywhere, anyway, and I'm glad we could do it on live TV. So I know that you, Becky, and Andrew, are committed to helping to, um, Feed a lot of people that need help, and I'm excited for you guys to uh, go all in and give a morning of a guest host for somebody on Squawk Box. So definitely want to put you in the spot and thank you in advance.
3: That's a good idea. That's a good idea. You, you do it off of off off of the name Squawk Box, not necessarily uh, me or Andrew or, or Becky. That that's pretty good idea.
2: You know, for me, I've said this with you uh, with you guys several times. I really believe that in a crisis, and there's no bigger one that I think you know our country and world's ever faced. It's the responsibility of The leaders in sports, entertainment, business to really step up and figure out how to make a big difference. So, um, you know, for me, um, I just kept thinking about, you know, what else can we do? And the really interesting thing is when I called um, some of my friends and said, hey, you know, what do you think about this? You know, guys like Alex, uh, people like Magic Johnson, Peyton Manning, um, so many great people that we reached out to when we were thinking about this idea, everyone said the same thing, which is, we've already done a lot, but we want to do a lot more. What else can we do? So the real thought process here was to get everybody um, working together for an incredible cause. And certainly there's so many people today that are out of work. You talk about it more on your network than probably anyone. You know, there's going to be tens of millions of people out of work. There's elderly people that, you know, used to count on meals being delivered. Kids went to school and don't have those, those meals that they got in school. So this is such an important issue. And to be able to get, you know, kind of, the world united against this issue to me is really special. So having every athlete, every artist, every celebrity going all in and contributing one of their most important prized items or create a once in a lifetime experience to help to, to raise money, all that money
8: going to help feeding people, I think is something that's very exciting. Michael has not slept in, in two weeks trying to put this thing together and uh, it's worked out really well and uh, I'm really excited to be in a position to be able to help back. Uh, teach a batting lesson, and I have a trophy behind me uh, from 2009. I have two, one in New York and one here. The one in New York is going to go away and is all in this all-in challenge. What
3: finally happened? Did you make some masks, Michael, just it's on another subject? Is that still happening? This isn't the first thing you've uh, that you've pitched in on
2: yeah the masks have been great we you know we're in the process of making a million masks we're making about twenty-five thousand a day and I, I see i see notes all the time of people wearing them so i think it's been uh it's been our pleasure to help and and we were honored to do that but i think this year is such a big opportunity to have somebody like alex say i want to donate um, my world series trophy i want to go take someone to batting practice and auction that off to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars for um you know helping to feed people is really special you know, I've been blown away just in the first day. We only launched this yesterday at 12 o'clock. And so many people came in with so many great experiences. And, and so many the viewers of CNBC that should want to do that. I mean, who wouldn't want to go to batting practice with Alex and um, and and have his World Series trophy? So it's a way people can donate and make a big difference, but also take something away from it. So we thought it was the best combination of, of, you know, really having the world joined together to do it. And by the way, it's not just for people that can win an auction and afford to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, this is for everybody. We have experiences where you can donate 10 and $25 to win. Justin Bieber yesterday announced that he's going to fly to somebody's house and sing a song to them one-on-one. Kevin Hart announced yesterday that he's going to give someone a speaking part in his next movie. Um, I believe right now, in another network, Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro are announcing that they're going to give someone a speaking part in their movie. Um, you know, Major League Baseball announced that they're going to let someone throw out the first pitch of the World Series in the next in the first game of the World Series. So there's so many people working together to raise you know tens of millions of dollars for people that are really in need. That really you know that we have to help them not be hungry.
3: The list isn't complete, is it?
2: Yesterday, there were about 50 people who. Um, who just went all in when they saw this. And, and it's been so many incredible names. Saquon Barkley, who did an incredible experience of coming to the game with him and being on the field pregame, but then going to dinner with him at Rayos afterward and then working out to work out the, you know, work off the Rayos meal the morning after. Um, I just saw that Tom Brady's going all in right now. He's announcing that this morning. Um, there's been so many incredible people so today I think we've had about 50 people go all in in the last 24 hours but you know, our goal is to have every celebrity, every artist every athlete to go all in and contribute one of the most important prize possessions or create a once in a lifetime opportunity and to get tens of millions of people involved with this because again there are certain items like this incredible experience with Alex where I hope everyone in New York is saying, or everyone in the country is saying man I want to go bid on that because I want to do batting practice with Alex and I want to you know, I you know I want to have that World Series trophy, but then there's lots of people that can donate ten to twenty five dollars for you know a chance to have an incredible experience, like have Justin Bieber come uh, sing one on one at your house, or uh, the TikTok stars Charlie and Dixie, you know, spend a day with them in New York City. Um, Mark Cuban announced he's going to sign somebody to a one day contract um, in preseason. So there's you know, if you're a sports fan, a music fan, an entertainment fan, there's something for everybody here.
3: That's, that's great. Hey, Alex, while, while we have you here, and, and we got to go in a second, but uh, do, you, do you have a plan to get MLB back on the field? I, I mean, that, that's, that's going to happen at some point, hopefully, uh, this summer. What are you hearing? Do you, do you have any insight into that, uh, Aaron?
8: I don't have any deep insight. I know that Major League Baseball is working around the clock to do the right things, to be a leader uh, with, like the NBA, like the NFL. But look, this virus is very serious. It's very fluid. The virus will tell us when we play. Baseball cannot tell the virus when we play. I know this. Players want to play and the fans want to watch. So I am hopeful we get it going.
3: Well, thank you. Thank you both, Michael. Uh, thanks for doing this. I, I'm thinking I just thought about it. I have a participation award from a golf tournament uh, that I was in uh, last summer. I'm not sure that 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 uh, is as good as some of the stuff A-Rod has. But thank you both uh, for coming on and, uh, and, and good luck. And it sounds great. Hey, Joe, I know
4: you uh, wanted to say something about the delay, and I think you'll probably hear my question in about three, two, one.
3: Oh, I, I think it might be 10, 15 seconds. I just want everyone to know that, that that's how, it's hard enough. And, and you know what the hardest thing to do is, is like if you try to say something a little bit lighthearted or, or a joke, if, if you have any uh, worries about being embarrassed or something not not going over, like falling like a lead <laughs> balloon, it's deafening because it sounds like you just laid the biggest lead balloon. And, and then they let, it's just so weird to try and do this. That joke, um, it, it wasn't the delay with that joke.
0: And that's the show for today. Thank you for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. But to get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, subscribe to Squawk Pod. We're available for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you listen. And if you haven't already, go ahead and share this episode on your Slack channel or your next Zoom meeting. And please tweet us at SquawkCNBC CNBC when you do show